you have to deal with big stress, right? And as we are all right now in a private jet, my first question is, are you happy? I would find it disrespectful to ask someone who's in the middle of a war, are you happy? It's like, does it really fucking matter? You're doing what you need to do. Mr. Eman Garzi. I'm going to show you the 17 money secrets to make your first million. I am probably one of the most stoic people you'll ever meet. I just don't feel pressure. I don't know what it is. It's never gotta do like a little wave of you and hey, and you're like, ah, no. You really don't give a fuck. You tell me, look at me straight in the eyes. And I'll, I'll, listen, I'll look you straight in the eyes and I'll tell you, I don't feel that. Pretty much everything I do, I do for every, for the people around me. So sometimes I feel that and I go, fuck, man, like, why, why me? When you're on a jet or you're flying first class, business class, or whatever, people look at you and they're like, oh, there's a guy who looks like a trust fund kid. No? And and then they say, is he, what does your dad do? And, and it was funny, the response you said, don't know, never met the guy. <laughs> I thought I was crazy. Yep. I had to tell them 26, 27, I want to spend 40% of everything I make and save 60. <laughs> Basically, every three to four years, that percentage increased by 10%. Because I want to die with no money. And I'm not giving my son anything. Zero. Zero. Fuck that. What's the ultimate goal for Iman Gazi? Muy buenas a todos y bienvenidos a un nuevo podcast de Node Project. Today we're doing something different. Today we have our first podcast in English. He's called Iman Gatsi. He's only 23 and we're not in our regular studio. Where, are Where the we? fuck are we, Iman? Where? We're in a private jet, bro. Like, life is crazy. But first of all, welcome, Iman. You're welcome. To the podcast. Bienvenidos a un nuevo podcast de Node Project. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. I know uh, obviously you guys don't usually do English, awesome. but yeah, I'm very honored. Hey, we're gonna make an exception, bro. It's the first person, and I want to explain a bit of why we're here, you know, because I can imagine people can see the background, and the background is not our studio, but it's I don't know, like uh, 20,000 kilometers above Budapest right now. And this this all came to be because I texted him like a while ago. I was like, I have a huge respect for what you do. Respect for everything you've kind of built, you know, and we've been, I've been following him for a while. He texted back and he said he'd seen the podcast and he, he wanted to make it happen. And I was like, of course, whenever you want. He's like, okay, like in a couple of weeks, I'm flying for Budapest to London. If you guys want to hop on uh, the jet I'm flying, you guys are used to doing like special locations for the podcast. So let's make it happen in the jet. You guys have done some of the sickest locations. Give a bit more of context. We're, we got Jesse here filming with us. He's our main filmer. He does everything with us. Shout out Jesse. Shout out to Jesse and bro, Jesse trips over you. Like he'll be in the office like, yo, bro, you see the new E-Man video, man? Like he, it's very good, very good. He's from Albania, he's fully focused gym bro, you know, and he just trips over you <laughs> and we're coming over. He said, I want to give him like a gift. Do you, do you mind if I give him a gift, bro? I'm like, go ahead. And he's like, I got him like a, a marble whale because he loves whales. And I was like, 
Okay, I hope this is true. I hope it's true. I don't know. Is it very? What did you think about the gift? It was beautiful. Remember, I I pulled it up and then I left lifted up mm -hmm. my sleeve and I have a little whale tattoo. Put in the video, bro. We have it. Yeah. It was sick. But what does the whale represent? So the whale was kind of a bit of a inside joke of one of my companies. Sometimes you refer to clients and mm -hmm. in whatever industry you're in as whale clients. Oh, I caught a whale. And then it just started catching on. And then I remember this maybe in 2018 I hit my first ever. It was like 150 or 200 thousand dollar month or something that was very big at the time. Okay, Ed. And I was like, I need to celebrate. So I just ordered myself a massive whale statue. And then it just kind of, from there, it kind of snowballed and became a thing. And is the, is the unicorn going to be the next tattoo or? I can't imagine. <laughs> do you guys don't have any tattoos, do you? No, bro, we're virgins. Yeah, then. We're virgins. Like, would you ever consider it? Yes. We, yeah, I think we've had opportunities. I'm, I'm a bit of a pussy, to be honest. Like, uh, I, I've, I've heard of these, like, really good pop-ups where, like, they have uh, tomorrow uh, a tomorrow's I uh, some people get, like, uh, tattoos of this, like, really cool brand. So everybody except us. Wait, maybe we also have a bunch of audience come in here that don't know us and know Iman and come from him. Hey, we, we kind of have a clothing brand. It doesn't look by the... We have we have a brand and we have a brand too humble. Well, no, we have a, a brand that's doing very decent. And yeah, we have the pop-ups where people get our name tattooed and stuff. Not my name personally, because that'd be very weird. But uh, the brand's name. I know we've, we've bitched out every time. Like, I think one day we'll, we'll grow a man. We'll dress like Iman with his suits and stuff. And start and start considering the next tattoo. But hey, you also, you took a good break from podcasts. No, you had a while where you did a bunch of them. Now, I think you told me you weren't doing any. I'm off podcasts, so I, I've declined any requests for the last, I think, eight months. And I think definitely for at least another six months, maybe another year. Uh huh. No more podcasts. How's your Spanish, by the way? You got any words? Uh, yeah. Entiendo todo para no hablo bien. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were talking about this last time. I know all the ones you need to know, like, Muy bonita, uh, mi amor. <laughs> okay. Que pasa? No, this summer in Ibiza, you're going to. To go crazy. Yeah, yeah my, my first question for um, for today is uh, ready to something that I, I heard you saying, uh, I know, sometime where you were talking about the, the levels of stress that you have uh, when you start making certain levels of money, right? And I remember you said that at the, like at the point you are right now, you have to deal with big stress, right? And as we are all right now in a private jet, it, my first question is, are you happy? You know, this is a very interesting question. This is something I've been thinking about a lot recently like, because I find it almost, and I know you don't mean it in a bad way. I find it weird or almost insulting when people ask me that. Uh -huh. Here's why. Because listen, I may not be what other people consider happy, which for me, happy when other people are talking about it, they just mean like peace. Do okay. you have peace in your life? I may not have peace. I may not be happy, but like, does it really matter when I go for Sunday lunch with my mom and my chauffeur picks her up at a million dollar phantom and at lunch I ask her, it's my mom's birthday and after tomorrow actually, uh -huh. and I ask her, do you want an apartment in London or Dubai for your birthday? Like, do, does it really actually fucking matter that you know, all those times that I was unhappy? Like, does it really matter when last month we went to Nepal and we visited, you know, we only got a chance to visit three schools, but visited three schools? that I built over the last four or five years, thousands of kids who get education. Does it really matter when I go to my employee's wedding and he's so happy and grateful. He's like, bro, this entire wedding, the reason I can treat my wife and make all this possible is because of the opportunities that are afforded to me by working at your company. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I've been able to financially flourish ever since working at your company and obviously put in so much hard work, but still. Like for me, I'm just like, does it really fucking matter? Yeah, so like, you say you, you would sacrifice a little bit of peace but I'm saying, to be honest, like the outcome is... I, I don't give a shit about happiness. I, I do believe that there is a divine purpose why each of us are here. There's certain things that you guys can do that I simply cannot do. And I'm not going to try to step into your lane. And I think some people shouldn't step into my lane, which is why I always give the warning to people that, listen, if you want my life, it comes with a lot of torment and not much peace because 
at the end of the day, listen, you could be in a private jet, sure. We're having a great conversation this time, mm-hmm. but many times when, you know, I'm flying, I'm flying private, my mind is racing. I'm not, I'm not, you know, unfortunately, I'm not looking out the window and looking at the clouds. And, you know, maybe that is also a testament to where I am. I don't know if you guys ever read the book, uh, King, uh, King Warrior, Magician, Lover. No. It's like these four different archetypes and each man kind of goes to these different archetypes. And I'm definitely still in that warrior stage. And there will come a day where, you know, I'm sure I, I do look out the window and I look at the clouds, but that day isn't today. I love that. So for me, I'm just very self-aware of why I think I'm here and why I think I'm here is to take care of, at first it was my mom, Uh and it was my friends, and then it was my company, and then it was my philanthropy, and then now I feel like it's the greater good of the world. And I just don't prioritize happiness, because for me, I think you can prioritize happiness, but in a way it's almost very selfish. Because by the way, listen, like men need to step up and they need to do things whether they want to do it at all. Like I, I would find it, disrespectful to ask someone who's in the middle of a war are you happy it's like does it really fucking matter you're doing what you need to do and you're doing it to protect the people that you i didn't do it with that intent you know listen i know of course it's a it's a it's a good probing question i don't you know i don't don't mean in this situation but yeah i get what you said for me i just think it's uh it's it's a bit futile sometimes the only thing i would argue no and it's been something i've i've thought about a lot is that I think these type of lives where you're, where you devote yourself a lot to work or to a bigger outcome, no, anything you can think of, things start going very fast because everything starts happening. Oh, you're doing this, you're fighting this place, and it doesn't stop. And for me, looking back, and we've only been on the in this journey for like four years now, so it's it's quite early. But I look back and I think like, fuck, maybe there's certain times I would have wished I would have enjoyed it a bit more instead of thinking about the next thing. And then, because you, if you're, if you have an ambitious lifestyle, no, you're always gonna be thinking about the next big things. So, do you ever like? Do you feel like you enjoy certain moments, or you get to get the joy out of even if you're working or traveling? Do you enjoy those moments, or it's still sacrifice? And like, for example, I no, I enjoy moments, but I enjoy moments in a different way than most people think. Like, for example, I got delivery of my Phantom two weeks ago. Okay. Friend, my friends were like Phantom, Rolls Royce Phantom, for people no, no, and we, and you know, and. I'd already spent 400 grand on cars that week. That was the second car I bought that week. And you know, my friends were like, oh, shouldn't you enjoy it? And I'm like, why? It's just a car. Like who gives a, sh-? like for me, I think it's more concerning if you look at the car and you're like, that makes your week. Like that doesn't make my week. For me, the Phantom is like, I can do it. So why not? I mean, the jet is I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed. And I have my team, my friends, my family, God to thank for this. Mm-hmm. But like, I do it because it's comfortable, but I, I don't know, for me, I don't need to sit here and think, oh, blah, 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 this, that. Like for me, I get my joy. I think it's important to get joy. I think it's important to appreciate little moments. Okay. But like for me, a little moment was a month ago in Nepal when we were visiting the schools. And when you say the schools, the schools That's that you've made, no, yeah, tell us something more about it. So basically in 2019, I started taking uh, profits from one of my companies and using that to build schools in Nepal. Okay. So we built schools for thousands and thousands of kids. Why Nepal? I get that question a lot. Basically, it's not necessarily about Nepal. It's about making sure that the money goes to the right place. And it's funny, if you go to, and listen, for me, I don't want to donate half a million dollars or a million dollars a year to Red Cross and be like, cool, tick, I don't hurt, I'm a good person. Like for me, like I actually really care about what we do in Nepal and I care about making sure the projects go in the right direction. So it's funny if you go to charities and you say, hey, every year I'd like to donate half a million dollars a year, whatever, let's say even $10,000 a year. Most of them just think you're laundering money or they think you're doing something fishy or they're like, they don't they don't take you seriously because it almost seems too ridiculous. Sir. So I was very lucky to be put in contact with uh, Alan, who's the chairman of Fahar Trust. And we've had a good relationship over the last four years, uh, built many projects together. So anyways, that's a little bit about Nepal. It's insane. I, I, I wouldn't. 
I want to go uh, a bit uh, first to, to the beginnings because right now you're 23, you're super successful, you're building like schools in Nepal, it's just mind-blowing, right? But uh, I've heard that you had a, a really tough childhood. You were, you, you, you didn't meet your, your father or? Yeah, so basically my biological father was an alcoholic abusive and yeah, apparently alcoholic abusives are very charming when they're drunk. So my mom was young and naive and she stayed with him for a, uh, some time. Uh, but when eventually she was pregnant, obviously he's not just affecting one person. Uh, at that point he's affecting two people, not only giving my mom black eyes and leaving her bloodied and bruised at that point, you know, uh, he's affecting me as well. Uh, and I think that's when my mom really had the courage to finally leave. And I had a very simple, for the first four years, I had a very simple childhood. I grew up in a place called Dagestan in Russia. My grandma raised me, which was uh, my grandma and grandpa, I should say, uh, which was very nice. I was in a little farm that my grandpa built with his own two hands. There was no toilet. So you would go take a right, right past the chickens and cows, black and white TV black and white TV, that whole thing. And, um, you know, lunch would be a soup made of whatever you could find in the fridge. So the soup would be like potato and leaves and chicken with the bones still in it, like fucking nails, literally anything they could find. In Especially as you remember, right? Because you were four years old. I have a lot of photos and I have those fond memories. And, and you know, over the years after when I could go back, I, it kind of brought everything back to life. Uh -huh. So. That happened, and then eventually my mom was in Moscow for work, and she ended up meeting my stepdad. They dated for like a year, year and a half. Then they moved to London together, kind of tried living together. Eventually he proposed, we got married. I moved to London. I moved to London, and my life totally changed. You know, it was like something out of a fairy tale. And things were okay. I mean, listen, they didn't have a very happy relationship, and he was a very, he wasn't around much, and he was a very, uh, very evil man in many ways. He was, uh, would discipline me. That was for sure. He wanted you and your mom to be like dependent on him in some way? Or? Of course. Of course, yeah. No, he, listen, he was, if we start getting into conditions and stuff like that, uh, yeah, he ticked every box for a psychopath or sociopath, uh, narcissist, sadist. He was, well, that's a very long story. But, uh, the crux of it is that uh, by the time I was eight or nine years old, he kind of cut us off. Kind of, uh, my life changed entirely at that point where, you know, he wasn't sending us much money. Uh, he was sending her a little bit of money just to take care of uh, her and myself. Then eventually he cut us off. Uh, my mom went back to working two, three jobs. And that was very, very painful for me to see. You know, my mom went through very t two very difficult relationships. One I didn't get to see, one I did see very clearly. And there'd be, I remember there was six months where my mom did not leave her room. I genuinely, I didn't think she was going to make it. She was very on the brink. So seeing that at the at a young age, it, hit. it definitely it has to like me and Alex talk about it quite a bunch, but I think we both have been very lucky with our parents and how they've raised us. And I think they've given us some very decent values and it's been very different. No, but I think we're very grateful. And when we meet the most unbalanced people I think I've ever met personally, when I dig a bit deeper into their background, it usually comes from unbalanced homes, you know? And I've seen like a very deep correlation of like, oh, how was your childhood? That kind of shapes you. Even this podcast, The Diary of a CEO, I don't know if you know the podcast, is from the UK. He always starts with like, oh, so how, how was your childhood? No, and I was, because I think it really does shape you. And seeing you from the outside, no, from what we've seen, that very like, man has to take care of everything has to suffer type of thing it like it makes sense no it comes from your mom not being able to take care of herself and being having as a 10 year old child or now i don't know how old you were being having to be the man of the family no that's things 
I think guys usually don't have to do. Yeah. You know, I always say you either do something out of inspiration or desperation. And obviously you guys were inspired to do everything that you do. It's up to you completely, you know, because I think even coming from a very wealthy family or having a very wealthy background can even be detrimental for you, you know, because that motivation you're saying that comes out of desperation. But when you have everything in life and when your dad has given you anything you've ever wanted, there's no, no sense of desperation in any sense. No, there's no sense of suffering. There's no sense, at least in that context. So I think it's, it's sometimes even harder to do once you've had everything when you were younger you know today you know <laughs> but you've had the the craziest lifestyle no and for me it'd be like yo what you have a lot of more life to live you know like what's next or yes I, I just sorry i just remembered uh, one story i was very, very beautiful story about one guy that um i think like he lost his dad or like he was abandoned by his dad uh-huh. or something like that and he started a youtube channel himself teaching kids how to do certain things that dads typically teach you. Like for example, he, he, he made videos about how to, how to uh, tie a tie yeah. or I don't know, how to uh, change a tire. Yeah. He made all this type of videos and he had this crazy story about like losing his dad or something like that. Wow. And I remember, I, like I, I thought it just was amazing. And I, right now I just made, made, I thought something, I don't know if there's something in, in the mission about your content because I, I think your content is, is oriented about helping Men, men in general become the best versions of, their, of themselves. Do you feel like that moving you to, to make what you do? So it is a massive disadvantage and I think it's something that I definitely want to help men with, whether they have a father or not, because that's the other interesting thing is I had no dad, but that meant that I could be the man that I wanted to be. And that's the interesting thing. It's because a lot of people, they may have fathers, but I'm going to be honest, most men aren't exceptional men and most men don't have good wisdom and don't have good advice. Most men haven't lived a broad enough life and have good enough, a good enough life experience to truly impart wisdom on their son. So the thing is, if you have a father and your father doesn't think correctly, you may absorb 10%, you may absorb 20%, you may absorb 50% or even 80% of what he believes and what he, if what he believes is wrong and he is in the right direction or is in the right guidance, well then you're already at a disadvantage. So in a weird way, I almost had a greater advantage. Yeah, like a clean slate. I had a full clean slate and most of the time, the majority of the time it goes wrong but in my example, as I said, once again, I'm very grateful to my mother. I'm very grateful to the people I had around me. I'm very grateful to God. I'm very grateful for the direction I've had because, yeah, I was able to become the man that I wanted to be. And I'm not perfect. I still have, fuck, I'm 23. I'm not, that's crazy. You know, I'm not insensitive to my age. And I'm not insensitive to the fact that I have a lot more life to live, but I feel like I, every day, take one foot forward and step in the direction of the man that I want to be. And yeah, let's go back just a tiny bit in the sense that for people that maybe don't know why we're in a private jet, it's not because of us. We can't afford this. So it's definitely you. And and that's what I want to get into. Like Spanish audience, they're thinking like, what do you do? No, what does this guy do? And that's kind of what I want to break into. Like, where does the money come from and how do you start? Just briefly the start, but more now, like the sources of income right now. Very long story. As in a lot of people uh-huh. look at my career and business and stuff and they go, oh, wow, you're a genius. And you did this after this, after this. And it's like, no, when you first start, I'm sure, for example, when you guys started a new project, they're like, Okay, we're gonna do this one thing. You never fucking thought that it would turn into it. Yeah, it wasn't a business plan. There was no idea. You know, you just put one foot forward. So basically, what happened was obviously I was broke. And I wanted to take care of my mom, and I started a few little side hustles when I was like 14. I started flipping Instagram accounts and like building up Instagram accounts up, and then selling shoutouts, and then buying other Instagram accounts, and all the stuff. And then 
I start. I told you guys yesterday. I started learning about fitness and personal training and this and that. And then I basically hustled my friends' parents and convinced them to let me personal train them for like 20 pounds an hour. And I sold them like two month packages and stuff like that. And then eventually that led me on to picking up a camera and learning how to work a camera and stuff like that. And I started doing freelance photo video stuff for people. And then that turned into having an agency, a creative agency. And that was great. And that helped me hit my first. You know, $20,000, $30,000 months, which by the way is incredible, amazing money. But it's for me, it came with a lot of stress and headache, which I have a lot more headed uh, stress and headache now, but mm -hmm. it's a different kind of stress. Back then, you know, clients were asking me, you know, this is great, but what's the return on investment? And now it just pissed me off so much because I'm a very sort of like logical, analytical person. And that's kind of how I got my store in advertising. So late. 2017, early 2018, I transitioned into having an advertising agency. Did that for a few years. Then from there, built an e-learning platform. At that point, I was starting to toy with the idea of software because I realized like, you know, I'm telling people to use softwares that I thought were inferior and I'm sending some of these softwares hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in business, you know, because my audience was very wealthy agency owners. They're spending a lot of money on softwares because you need some software is to run the company and this and that. Actually, one of my agency clients, her husband eventually came to me and was like, listen, I want to start the software company with you. I've already started it. It was in a totally different industry. And after a couple of years toying with the idea, I was like, finally, you know what, let's do it. And that was the first software uh, company I started in 2020. That thing has taken off. I've bought other software companies since then. Um, also, the e-learning company has grown as well. It's our number one way to get customers for the software. Yeah. So it's cool because we'll get customers for the e-learning and then because they build their agency and they grow their agent transition to then they use all my other software companies as well. Is it the software agency flow? Is it the number the number one uh, like income source right now or no? It depends whether you mean cash flow or whether you mean uh, net worth. And yeah, because that's valuation for the software. Right? Because that's the other thing, you know, in terms of if we're talking about what it's done for my wealth, then it's it's not even a question. It has to be the software companies because you're getting 10 to 15 times revenue. And also our margins are so insane because yeah. we don't advertise for the software companies, right? So that's in terms of wealth, but in terms of cash flow, the e-learning company has taken off in the last six to nine months in a, okay. in a crazy way. And do you have any partners in any of these businesses or no? I have right-hand people that have percentage, uh, percentage of profit share in one of my software company. I have a business partner in yeah. equity, but... Uh, yeah, apart from that, I have partners, but they get profit yeah. on equity. And Man, like main, the main person, like main percentage of the company is all yours, you yeah. know? For, for the e-learning company, like uh, how, how does it work? Do, do people pay a subscription fee to access all the content or how? So with that, it's a, a one-time fee. And then we're moving to subscription very shortly. And then some of the, for some of that more advanced stuff, we have subscription stuff. So many other stuff. I have an eyewear company, as you guys know. Yeah. I've started investing in the last two years. I've started investing in maybe 10, 15 different companies mm -hmm. um, because I get so many offers on the table because people know I have yeah. money and I have an audience. So I get a lot of offers for uh, yeah, to invest in different companies and stuff like that. So yeah, I'll tell you guys that stuff. I kind of keep a little bit more under wraps. Yeah. I tell you guys off camera, but a lot of companies that you probably use and have heard of um, in that table. For me, I have a lot of respect just out of the bag. For anyone, any entrepreneur that does it all by themselves has instant respect from my side because I think it's so fucking hard. Like, just the world of business is quite tough as, as a thing because it's just a lot of outputs, a lot of inputs, a lot of people dealing with a lot of humans. And for me, having Alex has been fucking amazing because it's like, we both started with nothing. We started with no big idea of like, yo, this is gonna be a million dollar band. It was just like, oh, let's do this. And then all of a sudden, everything we've had to deal with, our life has changed completely. 
but he kind of understands me. Like I have one person in this planet, even if I, my, I love my parents, okay, I love them to death. They'll never fully understand because they've been in different situations in their lives, you know? And I only have one person that fully understands me, bro, we'll go home, we live together. So doing it alone, it's a different movie. No, but you guys deserve your fucking flowers. Cause listen, to do, to be in your early twenties, to have 70 employees, to have physical stores, bro, that's a lot of fucking responsibility. And not only that, like I feel as though you guys, you guys have like the weight of the culture in Spain. Like you guys, like people look up to you, you know, and people are always watching you every single move. So it's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of fucking pressure. But what you said, bro, and I don't know if it was off camera or if it was on camera, like what matters is keeping it, you know, like we've had a small taste of what it could be. And now let's keep it and let's keep going. And that's what scares me, you know, because it's like, bro, content is so hard to be relevant constantly. And we're a content based company, I would say, you know, everything we, we try to translate this lifestyle into, into the brand, it's content, content, content. And being on the latest platform, being on TikTok, doing the extract, doing everything, bro, it drives you crazy at times, you know, because it's nonstop. Like there's literally, you're here right now, we're talking, bro, there's 20 people trying to be Iman. Or 20,000 maybe is, is more is more like it, you know? So it's, and they want exactly what you have. They want the private jet, they want the lifestyle, they want everything that comes with it. So it's like, when you get to a certain point, everyone is not that, before I feel like you have no pressure because it's like, I have nothing to lose. Now you have a lot to lose, you know? You, you're supporting your mother, uh, you have a fucking film crew, you have securities, it's like, you have a lot of people on your payroll. So bro, that's when it gets, like, have you ever felt that pressure of like, yo, you have, do you have a person to talk to where you can be like, yo, this is a person that will get me? I, I think, listen, I have a lot of people in my life that have had a lot of pressure, but it's, it's interesting because there's a few different types of pressure. There's the financial pressure and then there's the social media pressure. And like, there's so many different as And then there's like the pressure of being in your 20, like early, you know, in your twenties with access to money, women, uh -huh. basically whatever, whatever the fuck you want, uh -huh. right? And all of these are different pressures. So I've met people who understand the pressure of money. I've, I've met people who understand the pressure of social media. I've understand, uh, you know, I've met people that understand the pressure of having pretty, the access to pretty much whatever you want at a young age. Finding people who understand the pressure of all those combined is, is, is very, very difficult because listen, you may have a, you know, someone, a, a mentor to you who understands started a business at a young age, but he didn't have social media thrown in there. He didn't have the people's, you know, the people's, people's opinion. You know, he, we were talking about this last night. You guys get fucking 50 million people view your shit every single month. That's a lot of eyeballs. That's a lot of opinions. And that, that can take a toll on some people. Like I will say, I am probably one of the most stoic people you'll ever meet. I just don't feel pressure. I don't know what it is. It's never got to you like a little wave of Iman Hey, and you're like, ah, no. You really don't give a fuck. You tell me, he's looking me straight in the eyes. And I, I, listen, I look you straight in the eyes and I'll tell you, I don't feel that. Sometimes what I feel is I feel a little jaded. Sometimes like, it's not, it's not the pressure gets to me. It's the fuck man, like why? And this maybe happens twice a year where I go, fuck man, like why, why me? Like, why am I the person who has to do all of this for everyone? Uh -huh. You know, because listen, of course, everyone sees my life and they see this and that. And yeah, I'm sure I may have some nice things around me, but other than day, like I can almost see from the ball of my heart, say everything I do, Pretty much everything I do, I do for ever for the people around me. So sometimes I feel that, and I go, "Fuck, man! Like, why, why me?" And then it usually lasts for like ten minutes, and then I snap out of it. And I remember my favorite book. It's a book called Atlas Shrugged. I actually have it tattooed here on me. Okay, Atlas holding up the world. Okay, and I realized, as I said, I think 
some of us do have divine purpose why we're here. I think I was given a certain life because I believe that I'm here for a specific reason and all of the blessings, like when I feel jaded, I just remember that all the fucking blessings, everything I have around me, everything that all my friends and my team and everyone gets the benefit from, that's because I took the pressure on my shoulders and it's an honor. Like it should be, you know, I always say it's an honor, not a job. You know, like for me, this shit is an honor, not a job. I'm feel honored that I get to do this. And yes, it's difficult. Yes, very few people will understand, but that's an honor that was bestowed on me. So I'm grateful for that. Well, and what's that big mission? What, what do you think is your purpose? Listen, I think from year to year, it changes, you know, and I think back in 2018, 2019, I think it's like foolish to say like, I'm going to change the world. And I still don't believe I'm going to fucking change the world. But you have to believe it, no, in some sense? No, because I don't think you could change. You don't think Steve Jobs changed the world? I think he made a bunch of lives better. But at the end, they like, t tell me honestly, if your life truly, if, unless you knew about Apple products, truly would be changed if you had an Apple product compared to Samsung products. If you didn't know Apple products existed, Samsung, you would not fucking know the difference. You would go along your life and be like, Samsung's great. I love Samsung. Right? So I think, listen, I think it's very important to be very honest with yourself Where? what you're trying to accomplish. Because some people are here and trying to say, I'm trying to change the fucking world. I know I'm never going to do that. But if I can make, if I can nurture the next generation of men, I feel like that will have a ripple effect. If I can do right by my team, if I can do right by my people, if I can build some schools that will be there for hundreds of years and do some of the other uh, philanthropic things that I do. You're a businessman? No, but towards YouTube, you're kind of a motivational speaker. No, you, you bring out a motivational speech for the kids to be like, yo, I want to be like him or I want to do this or at least... I want to find my own way. But I would say you're not the typical guy. Like when we grew up, like the motivational speakers were like in front of the Ferrari and they're like, you want this car? Well, come, come along. And it was like, it felt a bit more fake, you know, but it worked initially because there was the clickbait of the Ferrari and the guy and you're like, okay, that I kind of want that. But I think that doesn't work anymore. You don't see it as much. No, I was going to say an evolution. In the There's been an evolution in the type of content. And I think what's cool with you is that you kind of show both sides of the atlas in some sort of say you have like this thing you come among mode which we'll call about and then you also show that even though you're working all day you're also having fun no you're enjoying yourself you go out huh? trips vacation let's say hi to the pilot okay hello sir <laughs> let's go back to okay monk mode yeah monk we mode. really love this concept of yours something i've applied in my life honestly yeah, and it's something um that we look we, we live by we we have this uh, is we, we kind of say that we live happy in the disbalance. How, how would you say that? Yeah, like we also don't have a balanced lifestyle. And people ask us like, oh, how is it? No, don't you want a balance? Because everyone tells that balance is the good thing, you know? And we say like, yo, we're very happy in the comfort of this balance right At now. At least for now. For now, yeah, for now. I don't know when I'm going to be like in my 30s. I have no idea and I don't want to go ahead. But I'm happy with the non-balance. Young people, I think we get so distracted with phones constantly, like anything messages is just a constant stimulation of things and focus is something that we're going to start valuing even more nowadays because it's so hard to find yeah tiktok fucks with your focus that's uh, anything that you consume on social media i think kind of just breaks you breaks you from that razor sharp focus which you need to create big things no and tell us i'll let you talk what tell is, us about what is monk mode so monk mode is a protocol that I formulated started in 2019, but sort of 2020, I started talking about it properly. It was just very similar to you guys. I, I like basically go big or go home. Uh -huh. I, I, I like the I like the extremes. So monk mode is anywhere from 21 to 90 days. Okay. You can choose. The thing is, I don't think it's smart for someone to come in who's super sloppy, unfocused, and life's a mess and just do 75 days or 90 days from the get-go. So I wanted to make it something as short as 21 days. 21 days is really the minimum you want to do. And I wanted to set it so there's minimum variables. So for example, one of the minimum 
minimum variables or mandatory variables that you have to do is 15 minutes a day of meditation. Because for me, like, there's nothing that's more important than, like, sitting with yourself and just understanding the, the demons and the chaos in your brain. You know, uh, exercise, daily exercise. And the other thing is no alcohol or no weed. I know weed is a very, some people are like, oh, it makes me focus. This, uh, cool. I don't know. The people that say that makes him focus, that's... I know, so you're friends. I personally don't agree. And also, fuck you, this is my protocol. So, no weed. Okay. Uh, so, those are like the mandatory variables. And then you can add one to three others, right? So, one variable may be, okay, you want to pray once a day. Or maybe another variable is you want to do, I've done it before where I do uh, no caffeine just to try that. Or no, uh, a certain amount of screen time per day. Screen is in on your phone. Huh? So, you can add all these extra variables. So, that way you can kind of customize it and it's flexible because it said I don't like protocols that are too rigid because it's unrealistic. And the thing I like about monk mode is, bro, even girls, like girls are like, oh, are you on monk mode? And like they understand, like it's something that people can understand, whereas like 75 hard, a hard a girl's not gonna be like, it's oh, are you currently 75 harding? Like, yeah. You know, so monk mode is just something, it's easy for people to visualize and it was, it, I don't know, I guess it just kind of took off. Uh-huh. And are you on monk mode right now or no? You're chilling. Ah, he's, he's got the whiskey now. He's chilling. No, but and uh, how much do you practice it a year? Like, is it only 21 days a year? Or I'd say it depends on how no, you feel. Usually, usually around half the year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And usually it depends on where I am. It's location dependent because there's some places where it's a lot easier to do it. And also there's times a year. Like, for example, when I go back to Dubai after my Europe travels, I'm going to do monk mode because it's also, it's like mid-April to mid-May. It's hot. There's no, yeah. there's no many people that are visiting. And I'm basically just going to be at home in my villa boxing every day meditating working so doing the no alcohol and all this other stuff is easy it's very easy but when you're traveling like london london used to be my home for a long time so when i go to london it's yeah wavy it's uh, it's light no okay and when it when you're not in monk mode you're going crazy no because yeah i see you i follow you on instagram no you have all the the lavish crazy lifestyle no you're all around you're on a boat you're on a yacht you're you're different places do you like is there are you working there too always work we're always working that's the thing like if you see me at a dude i'll be on a yacht with 15 girls a bunch of friends all this stuff and bro i'm just sat there working 24 7. so do you fully get to enjoy no you really don't back i don't and and here's the other thing you know because i post stuff on social media like or at least my my youtube is serious yeah my TikTok and other stuff i don't know my team just repurposes my Instagram to me, don't ever look at my Instagram and take it seriously. Like my Instagram is literally sometimes I'm bored and I'm like, okay, cool. Let's take some photos. My friends, hair drop me and let's post it. I'm not trying to be a good business guy. I'm not trying to tell you how to live life. I'm not trying to give you any value. My Instagram is zero value. It's just for some people, I guess, motivational because they see the life I live. And, you know, of course we still, I still post stuff about giving back and what I'm doing and stuff with my mom and this and that. Mm-hmm. But my Instagram is just like a little shit show. It's just a little, it's just a bunch of photo dumps. Uh-huh. And do you think like to a guy that from the outside looks at your Instagram and says, yo, this guy's a douchebag or this guy thinks I would shit. think I'm a douchebag. Like I, it's just, my Instagram is, I don't care. Cause I'm, the other thing is like, I know realistically anyone who's on my Instagram, 80% of the people on my Instagram come from YouTube. Yeah. So like on YouTube, they're like, okay, I understand his business, Bezo. what he's gone through. And then they're like, they celebrate my life. Cause they're like, fuck, I know what it took for him to live the life that he's living. Yeah. And the other 20%, I don't care. You know, I fuck this guy. Cause I look like a trust fund, but, but, oh, and it's funny. I, Jesse, he was helping us for the podcast and he said, uh, 
he wrote this thing that you probably set down or something, and it was like, when you're on a jet or you're flying first class, business class or whatever, people look at you and they're like, oh, this guy looks like a trust fund kid. No, and and then they say, they say, what does your dad do? And and it was funny the response you said, don't know, never met the guy. <laughs> That's I thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy. But it's it's true. And I think what you one thing you said that was very important was if people truly see what it takes to get there. And I think you've done something that's very exceptional that maybe not a lot of people have done, which is document your life since you were like 16. Like how many people have actually filmed all of their upcomings from 16? People can actually celebrate your success. There will always be jealous people and envious. I think it's normal and it's part of humanity. Because they, they identify with the struggles. People identify more with the struggles of the of the character than with the victories, right? And if you're showing if you're showing everything at the end of the day, it's like, okay, you show the good things and people will be like, yo, fuck you, man, he made him, bro, he's, he's amazing. And the opposite side, if it gets fishy when no one knows what you do, where the money comes from, or why you're being able to afford this, you know? Because I feel like people instantly get in the investigation mode, like, what the fuck does this guy do? You know, what does he really do? The interesting thing about my channel is you can go back and you can sort from oldest and look at videos in 2015 where I'm broke and I'm like, there's literally clips of me being like, oh my God, I can't be, I can't wait to be able to afford Uber. Like, bus sucks. I, I, there's videos of me being like, yeah, there's this healthy food place, but it's like, 10 pounds so i can't afford that like so that's why i have to keep eating fucking so wow this video like it's crazy bro the shit that i have and all the way down to like me signing my first client and being like oh my god this is crazy this even in 2016 there's videos of me and i'm like oh i set my goal this year 2016 is really the first year that i kind of took business seriously and i started halfway into the year i remember august it was after a breakup actually my first ever breakup i came back I was like, okay, time to stop. Because uh, I was reading a bunch of books and I was meditating and I was doing all these positive things. I was like, it's time to fucking make some money. I set the goal, uh, it was end of August, to make 15,000 pounds. And I made 15,000. And I was like, is this the fucking craziest thing to me? And But I've got all this documented. And I've got me signing my first client, my first ever like big client, being in their office and being like, hey, this is the founder, Sean. That's crazy. From this yeah. company, Athlete. I'm in their office and blah, blah. And it's all fucking documented. It's, all the way to like signing my first or uh, uh, hiring my first employee and my first ever employee joining the company when I was 17 years old. And then three days later, he leaves because he the work is so boring because he thought it was going to be like a creative, you know, have like months to work on a project. And it was very like uh, technical, like, hey, we need this, 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 this for clients on this deadline. And him being like, fuck this, I'm leaving. Like, and me just feeling like broken, like, fuck, I just hired my first employee and he huh, left after three days. So, and I think that's, that's what gives you the, the credibility, you know, I've, I think I've seen a couple of videos where people try to cancel you or like, because they see the Instagram, they go on the Instagram, they're like, no, fuck this guy. Instantly, it's fuck this guy, you know? And I've seen people try to cancel you and I've, then I've seen them at the end of the video being like, yo, I could actually not find anything bad about this guy. Apart from the things he believes in, what he says, which you can be aligned with or not. He, he's actually made this himself. You know, it's real. And like, I just want to say a big shout out. I'm about to smoke a nice multi-crystal number two that one of my fans got me. And another fan gave me this as well, which is a default lighter. Like, these things are fucking $1,000. Like, Bro, we're, we're talking the other day, yesterday. We're the same age. You look like a grown man. Like, you smoke cigars. This guy has a suit on when we arrived. But I was like, you're in a different time frame. Like, I don't know if this is the lesson thing. That's a grandpa. Like, he was like... Like my top five favorite artists I'd say is like Amy Winehouse, Michael Jackson, Otis Redding, Drake, because he's a fucking goat. Okay, he's just way easy. I probably Brett Fios. Oh no, hey, look at you, a little. I love Brett. Little hippie type of vibe. No, no, you're. But you're on, you know, so I'm 
No, bro, I'm just a bit of a grandpa in general. Uh -huh. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing right now? You're cutting this cigar? Cutting a cigar with the cheapest cutter. And that's the one like we did have as a cutter. You're, you either have security because you're well-known and you get to a certain point where you're like very well-known. Yeah. Like where you, as I said, people are- You can't walk around. Yeah, like people are walking out and stuff. Like, bro, listen, if I come out of a restaurant, I'm not gonna have paparazzi. Yeah. Like, it's not that crazy. It's not that deep. Yeah. But it's a matter of like, for example, when I go for a run, it, like Cape Town, for example, I like to go running in Cape Town. You know, I, it's funny, people were like trolling me because my head of security always drives behind me in one of my wagons. I know, right? You know, and it's like, I think people think it's for sure. It's, bro, it's not for sure. It's just that happens to be one of the cars that I own. And it's every three minutes, someone will stop and ask for a photo or like ask for, or like wave that. Yeah. And, and it's like, I will, you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll always interrupt my run and I'll always stop my run and take a photo. But it's like, if then, like, I'm running, like, you can see I'm running. If then you start trying to talk to me for five minutes, yeah. like, bro, I'll stop, I'll ask your name, I'll show you love, I'll take a photo. Like, I don't mind taking, like, two or three minutes out of my day, but if it starts getting to, like, five or ten minutes, if I didn't have security there, it gets a little rough, you know? Whereas, like, with Axe, my head of security, this is our, the signal. This means, okay, cl close it off. Like, I need to kind of get back to what I'm doing. Uh -huh. Or, for example, you want to wear jewelry or watches. Like, for example, in London or in Europe, basically, basically anywhere except for Dubai where I live, it's, it's unsafe to wear yeah. watches. Like, so for me, let me put it this way. If I could make the decision of not having security, but also not being able to wear, like, a $300,000 watch, Fuck the watch like that, bro. I don't give a shit. I don't. I don't care. But because I have security, I wear the watches. So most of the time, people have security because they want to wear nice stuff. Mm -hmm. and, like I'm cool, not wearing jewelry or watches and stuff. You know what? Because here's the thing: there's two types of fame. There's the fame where someone comes up and people just want something from you, mm -hmm. and they just want a photo. You know, like for example, I will, bro. I don't give a fuck what I am doing. I don't care how tired I am. Even my head of security and the rest of my security sometimes ask, like, listen, just tell me if you're like not feeling it today. I'm like, bro, these people watch me like you know how much of a fucking honor it is like you know how like the fact that these people take the time out of the day to listen to what i'm saying and what i'm because i woke up on the wrong side but i'm not going to take a fucking photo like to me that's ridiculous like so i don't care what i'm doing i will take a photo and most importantly i'll ask a little bit about them for us there was a big turning point between and this was amazing when we first started like making a small amount of money it was like being able to order food out was the big like i think it was it's been one of the biggest turning points in my life where it's like, fuck, bro. Being able to order food out and say it's money we made. Or do you remember Remember the first time we went to a hotel and we paid with a company? Bro, it was like a two-star hotel. It was the wackiest hotel. But we arrived, we were visiting factories in Portugal. Bro, we arrived to the hotel, me and Alex look at each other and we're like, fuck. It was like our first business trip. We're like, we paid for this, you know? Like, this is boy. And it felt so fucking good. And then it slowly starts getting to a point and we've not reached that point yet, no? But you realize that material things don't really... Apart from those initial moments and there's an initial barrier where you, if you break, your life is going to be incrementally much better. It doesn't get way much better. But bro, every night, I swear to God, every night when I get in bed in my villa and my maid who is an absolute queen uh -huh. so much, I get in bed and... I have fresh sheets every night. That's like one of the things that like for me is, is important. <laughs> I have fresh sheets every night and like bro, every single night I get in and I'm like, fuck man. Like <laughs> I just feel, I feel successful. Like, I, like, like that's like my, I made it moment, you know? So like it, but whereas for some people, they may not care. So I think it's just find what's important to you and them and don't feel ashamed spending money on it.
Do you do you lose perception of money? You know, like I feel like, bro, you're telling me like a million dollar or three hundred fifty thousand is like even. I don't know how much this cost to be on this today, but it wasn't cheap. You know, it doesn't sound cheap. So it's like, and I've gotten that talking to people who've made a lot of wealth. Where I'm talking to them and they're just losing perception. You're like, oh, two hundred fifty, like, bro, people don't make that in a year. You know, people don't make that in a year. People don't make that in their lifetime. Sometimes, you know, like, have you felt that like, fuck, I don't have a grasp of money anymore. Like, for me, I have to invest. And right, save slash invest seventy percent of everything will be gone because of where I am because I'm twenty three, and the other thirty percent I have to blow. Like even if I don't want to, for me I need to spend the money because for me it's like, what's the point in having all this money and not enjoying it? And another thing is most of the time I spend money on other people, so what's the point in not like having your friends enjoy the experience of flying private or you know like just are holding into that money? You know? Yeah, just. I don't know. I just listen. I just personally don't respect frugal people. Mm-hmm. Like for me, frugal means that you're so scared that you won't make more money, or you've been so stupid that you lost money in the past and you didn't know how to manage it correctly. And basically, every three to four years, that percentage increases by ten percent. So, for example, by the time that I'm 26, 27, I want to spend 40 percent of everything I make and save 60. By the time I'm 30, it needs to be 50, 50. By the time I'm 34, I just because life is getting too late. I want to die because <laughs> I want to die with no money. And I'm not giving my son anything. My daughter's was zero, zero. Fuck that. You know, you said you didn't have a lot of inspirations, especially in the YouTube aspect. You said there's not a lot of people you admire or you respect. Maybe respect yes, but admire no more, more like it.、Uh, and I, I do have, for me, like, and I, I told Alex, no, because we're moving offices now. And I was like, bro, in the new offices, I want to have these three people on my wall. And it was Steve Jobs, um, Phil Knight, and Hugh Hefner. Playboy founder,、uh, Nike founder, and Apple founder. Companies to me that are fucking passionate. You know, their lifestyle, their movement. They've become the leaders of their world. And Nike, for example, has been 30 years and they're still number one, which is fucking crazy. Do you have any role models or anything or any people outside of YouTube, wherever it is that you do look up to them? I would say, okay, so listen, in the YouTube game,、uh, there's a guy called Patrick Bet David. Oh yeah, value tamer. Uh huh. Absolutely. Yeah, bro, he is just. Exceptional. He is a right. He's a fucking exceptional person. I've never met him. I do. I did all their、uh, their sh- little podcast show、mm-hmm. thing they do. Another thing to respect, or at least I guess I can kind of resonate with more, is he had his Playboy days. In his twenties, he had his Playboy days, and then when he was thirty or late twenties or something, he found his queen. Right? They have a beautiful family, beautiful kids, and he's someone I really, really, really respect. Listen, I'm sure there's many, many other people in the YouTube game. I will be honest. I'm sure most people see that I don't hang out. I don't collab. I don't do streams with many people. But Patrick Bet David to me is like I recommend everyone listen to it out. And you know I think he's exceptional, exceptional people. And then outside of that, Drake and Drake 360 or like music wise, or it's like attitude, how he works. 360. Because here's why: number one, to get to the top and stay at the top. To get to the top is one thing. To stay there is like that's truly like the thing of fucking legends. And it's also his teeth. Like for me, I want all my boys and my entire team. I want us all in fucking five years. And listen, we, me and my boys, we fly around in private jets and we all live good lives. And you know, I have people in my company that make over a million dollars a year working for a company, over a million dollars a year as an employee. You know, because that's also the thing. I don't believe in this whole like, oh, if you're an employee, like I don't, I don't talk down on people who are employees. Like it's great. I don't think anyone, everyone should be an entrepreneur. You know, I don't say it. I don't think it's for everyone, and I think it's important. It's great. I think it's great to be an employee. If you admire the person you're working for, I think the bad thing is like these huge corporations where maybe they don't give a fuck 
what the brand wants to do or what the mission is and they're just there to get a paycheck. 100%. I don't think that's cool, but I think working for cool people that you admire, you're, you're aligned with the vision, is fucking great. My entire team, we live well, we have a great life, but I want all, I want everyone in a 10 years, 15 years for your, hey, maybe even five years, I want us all to be millionaires. And I know everyone in Drake's camp who is there with him for 10 years plus, bro, they're all sitting on multi-millions. It doesn't matter if it's fucking security. They're all, they all killed it, right? Cause like for me, because, of course, the entire team should eat. And listen, it's a different story if someone's there for one or two years or maybe even three years. But if someone's been with you for five years, 10 years, 15 years, like, I just really respect and admire the fact that he's still pretty much with everyone he started with. Iman, sorry, we had to call you up there. The, the flight attendant literally just told us we're landing in like five minutes. So we're going to do the last segment we do in the podcast, which is... Uh rapid questions okay so as the fastest you can answer the better how much does it cost to fly in this private jet this is like 28 30,000 pounds best business model to get started as a new entrepreneur anything that's service-based and uh, the most important thing when you start a business is something that you can start with 500 dollars or less investment never smoke another cigar never have another drink i'll be honest bro i like i like a good drink sometimes or i like a good cigar i'd say probably no alcohol how much do you jerk off a week you shouldn't uh first thing you splurged on when you first made money my mom what are three things iman doesn't want to share with anyone uh but i'd say hey. a lot of my personal life i was so guys uh top three millionaire habits to become a millionaire don't drink meditate i say probably journal because you need to become self-aware in one word what's the ultimate goal for iman gatsi honor top advice for a 20 year old kid that wants to be an entrepreneur start small and most importantly extend your timeline don't think you're going to become a millionaire in a year Iman Gatsi ladies and gentlemen we're about to arrive and land in London which is about to be crazy Iman thank you so much just like over there look at the ca oh yeah you can literally we're like about to land so guys thank you so much for watching Iman thank you so much for your time and for the experience this is fucking like I can't there's no way I can say thank you to this because it's crazy. You know, you've changed my life. Uh, now I've flown a private jacket, check it on my list, and we're good. Uh, but thank you so much. Anytime when you come to Spain, you know, you're going to have to be hit us up. Uh, we'll take you to Ibiza the right way. <laughs> Let's hope. And yeah, anything else we want to say? No, I think we're speechless, no? We're good. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> you guys are one of very few that I have genuine admiration and respect for. Like what you guys are doing out in Spain the culture for your people like and soon in the world and soon in the world sir yes sir thank you so much yes man that's for a wrap